Welcome back to episode 5 of the 10 Years of Tones podcast with me, Sam White. And this week is the final episode and we are going to be discussing Gens 9 to the present day Gen 11, uh, aka the COVID years, I guess, is what I'm calling them. Um... So we have two guests from last week that are returning. So I'd like to welcome back Patrick and Billy. Welcome back, boys. Thanks, Sam. Great to be back. Cheers, Sam. Yeah, thanks so much. You're very welcome. And yeah, we have one, two, three, four, five new guests joining us tonight. So uh, as is tradition, when we have new guests on the podcast, I'd like you to say your name, your T number, and what generations of Trinitones you were involved in, or are currently involved in for some for most of you? Uh, hi, my name's Danon. Um, my T number is T27, I think. And I, Sam, was it Gen 4 or Gen 5? <laughs> Gen 4, Danon. Gen 4, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've been in Triniton since Gen 4. Yeah, so my name's Niall. I'm T51. Uh, I've been in the group since Gen 8. Still haunting the halls of House 5, so. Own hand. Well, how are you getting on? Uh, I'm T49, uh, Generation 8 to 11. Hello, I am Cahill. I am T50. Um, I joined in Gen 8 as well. And I'm still, still keeping the dream alive on my year of grace, Gen 11. Hi guys, I'm Kevin. I'm T52, and I joined in Gen 9, and still in the group now, so Gen 11. Great. So yeah, the I guess, yeah, this is the first time where the whole, pretty much the whole uh, lineup has been, apart from a couple, has been current members, so uh, it's nice to change it up a bit, like all the chats before have been members who have left, so it's great to have you... Uh, to have some current members on to chat all things Trinitones present day. Um, so uh, you can individually do this. So starting with Danon, Danon, talk. We've talked. To be honest, Danon, we could have had you on uh, from episode two, but uh, I thought it was nice to keep you to the last episode as you're you're still in the group. But talk to me about joining Trinitones. When did you first hear about the group? Okay, so um, I think I heard about the group in first year um, when I when I arrived in Trinity, and um, this was you know the the teenage dirtbag video I think was still relatively fresh in the sort of memory of people in Trinity and um, myself and another former now former member Dermot both auditioned um in first year and we both didn't get in and uh then we re-auditioned in our second year and we both got in um 
I, I, if I, if I, if I recall correctly, uh, Ben, Ben, Ben said uh, I didn't get in because I was, I was very much baritone, and, and they didn't need one. Ah. So um, yeah, here we are. Spaces were tight. Yeah, um, but I'm not very much a baritone, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I joined, you were a baritone, and yeah, yeah, I guess I was. You moved up. You moved up. I moved down after one year. So yeah, we're in. But we're in. I think for. It was for the best. Um, <laughs> great. Thanks, Dannon. Um, next to go to do it in chronological order this time. Uh, Owen Hand. Uh, I actually heard about Trinitones from Ben Stacy through TMT. Like I'd never in my life heard of a Trinitone or ever tried to comprehend what a Trinitone was. <laughs> uh, but Ben was telling me all about it and he was showing up to rehearsals with his uh, black tux and I was kind of thinking, that sounds interesting. I like singing. This is a group that sings. Okay, cool. Um, and then when I went to an audition, sure, didn't you go off and get viral and tour America? And it looked like I was just some sort of poser bogey trying to jump on the bandwagon <laughs> when I swear I had through authentic, through goddamn Tipperary accent, through authentic reason to join Trinitones and uh, showed up and auditioned away. And the first thing Andy Keenan ever said to me was, nice shoes, because we both wore Sambas. <laughs> the sambas yeah jeez andy didn't mention the sambas once when he was on the last two episodes uh, he's moved on he's moved to london don't you know <laughs> but yeah that's an in- interesting uh oh yeah you mentioned uh joining on the back of uh the viral success of budapest it would have been for you but uh uh we'll come to derv now and the other lads can chat about chat about this as well uh yeah, Derv, how did you find out about the group? Was it through the viral videos? And uh, what was it like joining the group on the back of that? It was indeed. Unlike Owen Hand, I was actually a bit of a cloud chaser because I didn't know about the group until I saw a few men in tuxedos. Ronald Mackey especially inspired me with the can in his back pocket. So uh, I, thought, I thought that would be something good to get myself involved in since I was doing choirs and stuff like that. I'm not particularly enjoying it, but enjoying singing all the same. So... I think, uh, as you know, Sam, I, I harassed the Facebook page trying to set up an audition. And uh, <laughs> thank God you, you yeah. let me in after copious amounts of messages. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up, but you did it yourself. Yeah, I remember Derv messaging on a few occasions about auditions, so he was super, super keen to join, and um, definitely a great, a great first impression. Um, then we go to Niall. Had you heard about the group much? Uh, on the back of the videos or were you coming in completely blind? Yeah, no, similar to Cahill. Well, I wasn't chasing Clay as much, but <laughs> uh, I remember studying for my leave and, and the New York video came out around that time. Mm. And just, uh, I don't know, I guess I was quite impressed with her actually, really. So uh, a bit of a lover of jazz, so I guess it kind of reeled me in with that. But uh, um, yeah, so I signed up fresh as we went to Stahl, give it a crack and I guess all history from there. That's a first that you actually, uh, you're actually impressed by any of these videos. All disappointment from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, good stuff. And then Kevin, yeah, because you, this is when you joined. We're talking about uh, from Gen Nine, and this is so you joined on the back of not just Budapest and New York, but also Beautiful Girls. So, uh, had you similarly heard about the group through that? I'd actually heard about it way back when like in secondary school and 
one of my choir teachers was good friends with Lindsay and so I was shown the Stacy's mom video so it was you know I had the name stuck in my head for a while but then I came to college in first year and all my friends were like oh yeah go for Trinitones and I was like oh yeah maybe maybe he was kind of on the fence kind of thing hmm. I went to this I just stumbled upon Trinitones performing in the GMB in like Freshers Week oh, yeah. and it was in it was, I think it was part of Trinity Arts Festival or something and I just remember Matthew Douglas he was uh, singing crazy and he used to do this thing where he would uh, pick one person out and just stare <laughs> at them for the whole entire performance yeah and uh, it it creeped me out so much that I didn't audition that year. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back the next year, and I was like, "All right, fair, I'll give it a ch- shot then." So, sorry to hear that. <laughs> He's well deserving of his drama degree, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Making good use of it. Um, great, nice one, lads. Um, yeah, no, it's just interesting to hear because, especially when Niall, Derv, and Owen joined. Andy and Ev were talking a lot about the audition process and the amount of people that that came that came that signed up uh, for auditions that Freshers Week it was the most ever I think so they had a lot of tough decisions to make so um it's great it's interesting to hear interesting to hear the impact of the videos on new members Gen Nine also brought a new directorship. Uh, in the form of Patrick Kennedy and Owen Hand. So it's great to have you both with us. Um, uh, Patrick, t- talk to us about uh, becoming director. Yeah, so I remember Andy and Ev kind of went about it early. They they didn't seem to have an exact... They weren't... I guess they weren't entirely sure who they were going to pick. Hmm. I guess I remember there was a couple of conversations have been like you know expectations for the following year and mm. um who we thought might be good or, or that kind of thing and then i remember i think they told us in the lord edward uh, i thought we were starting a quartet it weren't it was actually uh, just to have myself and own um take over um but they brought us in quite early i think it was february or march which i think was 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 good for us really we were we were uh, secretaries almost for a couple of months uh, until after the tour hmm. um which was yeah as i said it was was good for us i think to to learn how the job worked and what was entailed um but also i think they were in final year so i think it just made sense to ha- just have more more hands on decks in terms of um just i guess the logistics of how it works and and getting emails responded to and um just logistics i guess Great. And uh, and Owen, what about yourself? Because you were similar to Andy in the sense that you'd only been in the group for a year and you're going straight and then you're going into do, into being director uh, along with Pat. Uh, so, yeah, how, how are you feeling going into it? And what were what did you and Pat, what were your ambitions for uh, for the year ahead? It was pretty daunting, to be honest. Um because I had only been in the group for a year and there was a, a lot of guys in there who were there a lot longer and had way more experience and understanding of the group's dynamic and the group meant a lot more to them as well than what it might have, might have meant to me when I first joined. Um, so it was pretty daunting, but I suppose luckily myself and Pat were able to get over the, the long-standing history of Tip and Kilkenny <laughs> and bond over, I suppose, chaos and anarchy and trying to control that. 
Um, just as Pat was saying about kind of like taking over secretaries, I think it was when we were recording in Ardmore in May was when we were kind of making more high caliber decisions about gigs and sets and weddings during the summer. And I think there was one or two gigs where neither Andy or Evan were there. And I think mm. Andy kind of swindled Niall to be the little Robin to kind of keep an eye on everything, see how it was going, then report back to him on the DL. And I don't know if Niall can probably confirm that, but um, so there was just kind of like little testers like that leading in before I said the training wheels came off. But um, it was also mad. Like it was very, very cool because I think at the time we had about 22,000 followers on Instagram and we still had all those 160,000 followers on Facebook hmm. or uh, likes or whatever. So it was a massive responsibility. So, um, and luckily because Pat and I, we kind of, we, we sing off the same hymn sheet as, as, as per chapel. Mm. Um, we understood that order and kind of maintaining a logical pathway from uh, decision or yeah, from decision to outcome or emails and kind of administration. That's what I'm trying to say in a long way the way administration was key to being clean. So uh, I think Andy and Evan didn't star any emails or didn't organize emails. They would just sift through them and um, prey on sweet serendipity to make sure that they had what they needed to get by from an administrative point of view, which was absolutely heartbreaking. So we had a lot of fun clearing that kind of stuff up. Mm. Niall, is there any truth to Owen's comments there about you keeping an eye on them? Uh, I'd defer you to the Irish Embassy in London for any comment. We're actually going to start just before uh, the Gen 9, I guess, officially began with another memorable electric picnic. In fact, it was the last electric picnic on record. And we performed two quite different gigs both pretty memorable um we performed on in the body and soul sanctuary stage that year this is 2019 and then the trailer park mobile home stage with dublin ukulele collective and these are pretty uh, these are pretty memorable gigs uh, for me obviously last electric picnic and i want to i'll come to to derv on Talk to us about that body and soul gig and your memories of that, as this was that was your first electric picnic. Oh, it was something else. It was just like the caliber of gig, even that we had been doing. It just a completely different vibe, in that sense. Um, and the crowd, I I just I remember being amazed by the crowd that ended up showing up. It was probably realistically it was people mm. stumbling into that arena, and all of a sudden they see these lads making music with microphones and nothing else and they come over and realize that it's actually you know a great experience to to see all that going down so i remember there was a like a really a really good buzz after that gig um especially just in the performers campsite and everything with the group it was just some crack like and yeah as he said like body and soul and uh, any of these kind of small stages in the festival people just stumble across you but I think that was the biggest crowd we've ever gotten at Electric Picnic. Someone can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but No, definitely the biggest we ever had. Yeah, Dan, and you've done you've done you've been there for all of them. Um that body and soul gig. How would that how would you compare that to previous years? Previous years electric picnic yeah. gigs. Yeah. Like 
I don't know. Just it, it felt. Um, I don't think we'd ever had like an audience response like that. Mm. Like the other gigs, you know, a the audience was smaller, and while you could like tell people were enjoying it, there'd be, you know, less dancing. There'd be some people sitting down, people chatting, people, you know, just having like kind of a, a chill time of a a Saturday or Sunday morning or what have you on the festival. Mm. And then that one, it was just like a bunch of people losing their minds for some reason. And yeah. There was loads of them. It was it was crazy. Um, it's the clo- it's the closest I've ever I think we've ever come to having people like a mosh pit. <laughs> it was the closest we've ever come to having a situation where we could crowd surf. Yeah. Yeah, which doesn't seem possible with uh, the <laughs> genre of music that we sing. Um and then Pat uh uh talk to us about the trailer park gig with Dublin Ukulele Collective, which was a bit of a bizarre uh collaboration. Not that we we got on really well with them, like had always bumped into them at previous picnics, but uh, I guess we were kind of paired together with them by the organizers at the trailer park, and between the two of us, we had to we had to make it work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so usually they're on before us, I think, um, mm. in the previous years, and then like really the organization for us for electric picnics has always been kind of last minute. Yeah. Uh, so I felt that they were putting us together kind of hopes to just you know make their organization and just filling the stage easier um but i i think we made it work we had obviously a couple of rehearsals with them beforehand it was a little bit strange and it took a little bit of tweaking to try and see could our arrangements match in with what mm. they're playing um but i think it turned out okay in the end in fairness it, it's it is nice for us to collaborate with other groups mm. um I wouldn't have ever thought of collaborating with Ukulele Orchestra before, but um, I think it was a successful, successful day. Yeah, it's, it's good crack. Yeah, we did a, we did Space Oddity and Friends, and li- I get by with a little help uh, from my with my friends. Uh, what, what is it called? Help with my friends or help from my friends? From isn't it? I get by with a little help from my friends. God, when I say it, it doesn't sound right. Anyway. And then we might have, I think we joined them for like their encores as well. Uh, like uh, Mr. Blue Sky, I think. Um, but yeah, they're great crack. And yeah, we always enjoy seeing them at the picnic. And fingers crossed, uh, Trinitones will be back at Electric Picnic this year. Because yeah, 2019 was the last one. There hasn't been an Electric Picnic since then. So um, yeah, really memorable um, for sure. And and then we get into we get into Gen Nine and yes I'm looking here at a photo of you and you Kev and Johnny so Gen Nine two we had two new members we had T fifty two Kevin McDonald and T fifty three Johnny Mason um and uh, Kevin I'm looking at a photo of you and Johnny with your Victoria Secret bags which is part of your uh, initiation. Uh, what are your memories of your first rehearsal of the group? It's very, very fun. Um, I remember, God, Carl was giving me a run through Trintone's history in the form of uh, Cards Against Humanity cards. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, it was so good to, to, you know, it's one thing to hear the group sing online in videos and stuff, but then when you're part of it and actually feeling, you know, the, the actual harmonies lock in, that's mm. the best feeling ever, so. It was the first taste of it. 
And can you explain why you had to, why you were pictured with a Victoria's Secret bag? Um, what was it? We had to, <laughs> we had to bring arrive in full uh, black tie hmm. on campus with um, Victoria's Secret bags full of pastries, and then there were all sorts of challenges on the on the way as well to to get into rehearsal. So good, clean fun. Yeah, yeah. I think we can go to um, September 2018, pretty much towards the end of September, where we performed at the Cashel Arts Festival, which would have been Kevin and Johnny's first first proper gig. Um, so, Owen, can you talk to us about that? Because that was a pretty surreal experience for the group, performing, having a sold-out gig in somewhere that wasn't Dublin too. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite gigs, I'm sure other lads would agree. Um, and Cashel is a very special place in the group's heart, as we've been there a few times. It was good fun, I must say. Um, I think it was, for the group, it was the first like, major gig where we had serious pressure on us to perform well. And it was probably one of the biggest gigs that Pat and I, bar the Christmas concert that Pat and I as directors kind of pulled together as well. Um, most of the admin had been done prior because it was set up some time ago uh, well before we kind of took the reins but there was a lot weighing on that gig because I think there was about 350 people inside in St. John the Baptist Church in the cathedral mm. in Cashel and there was no pressure on us time-wise so we could take as long as we wanted and I think we did maybe 14 or 15 songs about an hour and 20 minutes of singing um, but I, I, I just the standout memory for me is walking down the middle aisle and like everyone's there they're chatting away and then it starts to hush 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 and it's like oh these Dublin lads now come down to sing here oh this is what's this gonna be like and like the dust that my palms were sweating so much I was so nervous and just turn around and it's like the first thing comes into my, my head to go is to go well lads how are you getting on just your temporary like down to the ground and the whole place was erupted laughing and once that happened I knew that we were going to be fine uh opened up with a few bangers and just like song after song people just absolutely loved the experience and like it was great for us as well because it was such a, a lovely experience to be so welcomed and to perform so well um but also to have people enjoy what we're doing so it's not the kind of corporate gig where you're singing to a wall of sound this was mm. actually something that we could appreciate and so could they mm. would you agree on that would have come on the back of of the viral videos like the that, that all that national attention out, like outside outside dublin again as i said I think so, yeah. Um, I was actually talking to the there's a local in town. I can't remember her name, but she used to teach choir up in Black Rock, and she actually knows Evan Holland. But I think part of it is seeing young men singing and not shying away from it, or not kind of attaching any um uh, kind of bad labels to the idea of singing and guys singing together. Um, and I think it's adults appreciating and seeing that and wanting to instill that kind of idea into young people uh, people younger than us like that singing is a very good and healthy thing to do and that it's really enjoyable and you can get such um success out of it like not even monetary but just kind of for your own self success and i think it's seeing that and wanting to promote that to encourage people to get into music and to reap the positive rewards from just messing around singing a few tunes Hmm. being a bit being being a bit of a goal (laughs) Felt like we were headlining the whole bloody festival. Jeez. Um so yeah, nice, nice bit of pressure, especially on uh well Kevin, I'll bring you in again because that was your first like big gig as a Trinitone. What are your memories of it? 
I remember the the week leading up to it was the most hellish time ever. I remember <laughs> getting a list of about 20 songs and I think we didn't even end up singing about five of them. Um, and yeah, just, just, yeah. But then on the stage, then when we were actually singing, there was, you know, dreaded moments where I realized, oh God, there's legs moving about, there's choreo choreography going on. And uh, the first I'd heard of it is when, when I was in front of, you know, these 200, 300 people and yeah, terrifying, but yeah, very good experience. Everyone was like, that was a phenomenal gig. You're so lucky. But mm -hmm. uh, I hadn't realized obviously at the time how, you know, how, how good of a gig it was, but yeah. Great experience. Uh, it was it really was and we've spoken about new guys coming in and being really thrown in the deep end with uh like new music like the the volume of music you have to learn in the first few weeks but you might have a few corporate gigs to settle to get settled in but yeah you were thrown into like a really really big gig and you, you did great um so um yeah fair play to you the next thing of note that i remember is nationwide we appeared on an episode of nationwide which is how would you describe nationwide uh owen or or pat um i would describe nation uh, pat please speak on this as well but i would describe nationwide as the best thing about ireland it's just a show that takes the best things about ireland and just shows you how lovely the country is or how lovely Irish people are about doing X, Y, and Z. And I think mm. it's just, just lovely. They're desperate at spelling though. <laughs> 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 yeah. For, for context, sorry. I, um, I have a, I have a, an unusual name and, uh, the presenter asked me probably three, four five times to spell my name for her. And she wrote it down. And then she asked me after I spoke, how do you spell your name, etc. And they still, it, no, it was just wrong. You know, I was like, Dahran. And then Johnny gets me a bloody, my name is Dahran t-shirt for Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Jeez, that's uh, great. Yeah. That was excellent, yeah. But uh, yeah, your name and Jamil's name was spelt wrong. Uh, Jamil was spelt with an A rather than an E. Um, so yeah, good, nice one, RTE. But uh but yeah, Pat, what was uh, uh that was a that was a nice thing to be involved in um another TV appearance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, like the Iron Scott Talent thing, it just reached a, a different group of people that mightn't have otherwise seen us maybe on social media or even in person. And I think even if after that, people would still come up and be like, Oh, you're on nationwide, or they might recognize us from recognize us from nationwide or whatnot. Uh, so I think in terms of just publicity, I think it was a great idea for us to do it. Let's talk a bit about Best Menswear, which uh, have become a, a great partner of the group in the last couple of years. So I think one of the things that we wanted, we really hoped would come of the the viral videos was some sort of deal where we get uh, like either new suits or an accessory or something. And I remember we nearly got these nice watches of some nice watch company, but the suit, the best menswear came through. Uh, so Pat, uh, can you talk a bit about that? Because uh, this was this was something the group had always dreamed of. Yeah, so I, best menswear, as well as another couple of um, 
opportunities popped up, I think, towards the end of the year before, I think, when myself and Owen started. Um, and we were trying to talk to them over the summer. I remember there was, uh, the watches, as you said, I think there was a, a, a Thai or a Dicky Bow company as well. Mm. Um, all off the back of some of the, the viral success we had um, the year before. But Best Menswear was the one that kind of we we stuck with and, and stuck with us, I guess, the longest, um, just to try and work out some kind of a deal uh, that worked for, for both of us. Um, but yeah, they were just very eager to get us to just get us to do anything really um so they kitted us all out in a, a nice three-peat um black tie and uh they wanted a video of us in front of their dundrum store um which actually was 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 great we just mm. turned up and, and sang and they were delighted with us and it always seemed that we were we were almost robbing these suits because that's all they really wanted us from us uh, mm. at the time anyway um but yeah, it, it's it's continuing on, and um, we were we were. I remember one of the things we were thinking of is, oh, if we got suits for the current guys, then what are we going to do, like for new guys joining or that kind of thing? This is going to work out to be a long term thing or whatnot, because um, I don't know whether we could afford to buy people suits every other year. But um, uh, no, in fairness, they're they're they really sound lads, and um, mm. they've helped us out since. Yeah, so um, I'm maybe bringing Niall just from the current group. Um, so every time a new member joins, you get in touch with you just get in touch with Best Menswear, and and they give the the new lad suits. Is that how it works? Yeah, like there's a lovely guy, John. He's the managing director there. We send him a quick email, and uh, very promptly he sorts out the boys in the shop. Awesome, and uh, I hear they they're going. I know they were at the recent concert, but they're going to be in the Sugar Club at the weekend, are they? Yeah, they will. They're uh, just as keen as we are to keep the connection going. They've been so good to us through the years, and like to kind of pay it back to them also. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's such a brilliant thing for the group to have just something as simple as everyone wearing exactly the same suit. Like we've always we've always looked pretty sharp, but yeah, having. It, wearing the exact same thing apart from maybe apart from maybe shoes i guess but it, it makes a big difference and everyone looks super slick um every time you step on stage and uh so then we come to christmas and we had a big christmas gig in the chapel merry and bright um so owen now uh, what was do you what do you recall of the organization of this and it was a it was a proper sellout. The chapel was jam packed on the night, and uh, I I have maybe mixed memories because it was it was quite stressful. Yeah, I think we definitely overshot how much we could actually do mm. for it, but at the same time, my like dominant memories are like refreshing the title page and just seeing the ticket sales like just go up, go up, go up. Mm. Um, listening to Dominic Layden talk. Uh, I think maybe probably before the interval, just about the work of Aware and what we were doing. And then just down at halftime at the ticket sales and it's like people who had to leave, but we're just like, here, take this. And they just like throwing a 50 euro at the donation bucket just to like, I bought a ticket. I can't stay for long. Here's more money to put towards the cause. Mm. Um, just like lovely generosity from people. Um, and 
it was great as well because we recorded a few songs as well some of the songs didn't work out so well there's one song the very last song we did in particular um but we got a lot of great content content from that we got some lovely photographs we ourselves had a great time and i don't know i think it just it it put a lot of confidence in the lads that we can do a lot more than what we think we should be able to do or can do and even when we absolutely like unceremoniously make a huge error it doesn't matter we just we just stay going it's grand yeah well yeah it's right you bring up uh, the work of aware a mental health charity in ireland and the group have always tried to especially at christmas i think uh tried to partner up with a charity and i remember we raised a really good amount of money for aware that christmas which is the most important thing more than anything else um it was a it was a memorable memorable night for many reasons. I want to bring in Billy, uh, because Billy had a a starring role that night, and uh, let's say he had a costume change halfway through. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you talk to us about that, Billy? What did you have to do? Um. Well, I I volunteered <clears throat> to be the Grinch for that night. Um. And yeah. I guess there there probably would have been more content only for uh fat fingered Keenan um <laughs> messed it up. But yeah, no, it was it, we we I guess yeah for Carl's solo we uh, decided that we'd have to br- we have to bring in the actual Grinch and of course I volunteered to be the Grinch. Great crack. Mm. Uh, just went around scaring people in in green paint and a Santa costume. Um. Yeah, just like like trying to get the the green paint on super fast during mm. the the break, and then yeah, God, when when you're like the whole thing was just so warm, uh, and especially I don't know, I was moving a lot trying to scare people. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was really fun. I guess uh, it, yeah, it would obviously we we tried to record it, uh, it didn't work out, but um, I think that was kind of the beauty of. of that there is no recording of it so it's kind of up to our memories or whatever um but yeah no it was it was it was definitely a unique experience for me but yeah it was fun you're saying that yeah obviously we tried to do a live video during the performance of of uh, you're a mean one mr grinch which is a uh, carl Haggerty special but yeah uh, our ex-member and director andy keenan was in charge of hitting hitting st- the record button on the live video but he never did and he we thought that he was recording he was moving around with the phone and then afterwards he handed his phone back to I think it might have been Ross and then we found out that there was no video <laughs> he'd forgot to click record not to begrudge anyone now but I think we actually missed a window of opportunity where Pentatonix recorded and released its mean one Grinch maybe a day or two after the Christmas concert and did they? amassed a couple of million views on their own social media didn't we it was was not the reason why we recorded the the instagram video yeah we did it a couple of days later then even though like yeah because there was no recordings we're like ah oh, that was a good crack let's do it again mm. but i think maybe the the lighting or something it just i think the chapel is just such a beautiful place and it like doing it to a crowd obviously you get a, a bigger um reaction mm. um so obviously doing, doing it between ourselves in the museum building me running after carl probably wasn't as wasn't as funny but mm. yeah and the thing is with the live videos like we've spoken about loads of them i it's funny 
the ones that are like the worst quality and are maybe the least organized are the ones that go the most viral and we'll talk about that another one later on but i think we had like really choreographed the grinch and some some other ones that um no specific examples but yeah it's funny the most work you put into a video uh the less the, the less the the views i guess you get there's a pretty it. solidly inverse correlation between like preparation and reward in terms of views yeah absolutely i have like a very good example which will come later uh, in gen 10 um but yeah and then that kind of christmas ended with uh which an, a a big a big thing like trinitone's finally releasing music on on streaming sites which is a long time coming and we spoke about trying to record a bunch of songs in ardmore at the end of gen uh, uh in the summer of gen 8 and one of the recordings we we managed to release was raglan road so like pat that was a that was a big thing to finally get music out for the public to listen to Absolutely, because so many people would ask us, oh, do you have a CD or mm. have you got any music out? And we just didn't. And I think obviously it had been started by Evan and Andy uh, and everyone else before that when we were there for the recording. Um, yeah, Raglan was recorded in the chapel altogether um, before we went down to Ardmore to record uh, the rest of the stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, I'm not sure why it took us so long to get it out, but I think I think we were maybe a bit scarred from 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 Ardmore, and it didn't work as uh, work as as smoothly as we had planned. Um, but I think I think it was good. It was it was about time I guess we got something out, and just just to be to have Ragnar as our first release, I think was just kind of special as well. Mm. Um, and it's a, it a great recording. It's great to have Andy on it as well. Mm. Um, before he left. Um, so yeah, no, it's fantastic. But also just going back to the concert as well. Um, we had the concert recorded as mm. another attempt to to record some stuff because I think we figured that well, we like the sound of the chapel and the acoustics there and maybe just an, a live recording of us there anyway could be could be good. So I think we were just in that mindset of, of determined to make the recordings work. Uh, and I think it was just another stepping stone to kind of get us to where I think the group is today. It just, you know, not being afraid of recording and, you know, uh, having the, the know-how and the, interest in in being able to do it right yeah it's on it's the culmination of years of years of work years of recordings where they might have been just released as videos but um it was a really nice thing and it's such an important song to the group raglan it's it's been sung for many for years now and and it was a nice thing to release at christmas it's a nice kind of it has that kind of christmasy wintry feel to it and big dublin song as well so it seemed fitting that we would make that the first release. And so it's sitting on 20,000 streams on Spotify, just see here, which is pretty good. Um, and, um, and yeah, a, a great, a great thing to, to finally, to finally get some, some music out for people to listen to. Right. Let's, let's get into the COVID. I don't know. Where do I begin? Like it, 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 it hit us like it hit everyone else um came out of nowhere pat how did you and owen feel i guess being directors about uh the impact of co- uh, about about covid and the impact that it would have on the rest of the year yeah it was certainly a tough time like it's we were i remember when it started first our last gig 
when I was looking at our list here was on the 10th of March. It was a charity gig on campus for a student group, I think. I don't know whether we knew then that it was going to be our last gig. I don't think we did, or at least we felt that we might take a break for a little while and be back. But like, I feel when you're like, I think we're all we're all trying to be a visionary to a certain ex- extent and, and trying to, you know, plan where the group is going and that. And suddenly when, when COVID started, I personally didn't think it was going to last so long. And then, OK, we might take a couple of weeks break. And I was still thinking, right, well, we'll still have our, you know, end of term concert next month or um, we're still I think we we're still already planning what the tour was going to be over the summer. And we had trying to make some start of that. And I remember we had a rehearsal possibly in the following week after that gig. And we were trying to work out the risks if we did go away, would we be all right or whatnot? And like in hindsight, we were very silly, but it just at the time. We just didn't know what was coming down the track. Certainly not to the extent that it, uh, to what happened, happened. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was my feeling. Yeah. Owen, any any additional thoughts? I remember um, I was kind of twixt two stones with SU campaigns and TMT show on mm. both ends. Uh, so Twitter Tones uh, kind of slipped through the cracks for me. Um, but... I on COVID, I remember one of my friends, Alex Clark, was like, I know this was like halfway through the campaign. He was like, Do you think COVID would be a big issue? And I was just like, Not at all. Don't be silly. That'll all blow over. It'll be fine. And hey, presto, it did not blow over. No, it did not. And we headed into into confinement and yeah, didn't really know where where we would go from there and how we would adapt to the virus, uh, like everyone else. Um it was sad, like it was a difficult time, um, but we did adapt and we decided to release more music. And Owen, oh, Pat was talking about uh, some of the uh, the rec- that we mentioned that we recorded the Christmas gig, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. And uh, we released three tracks from uh, the gig and kind of released a live EP live at the College Chapel. Um, and I think you you would have organized the recording of that. Yeah, there was a I can't remember what his name is. I think it was Michael. He was a you probably remember him. He was in House Five. Um, and he specialized yep. in music production. But I got in touch with him to record uh, the whole concert and then mix as many songs uh, as were usable. Um, and to be fair to him now, he he had a tough job with the acoustics in there and with wondering soloists, i.e., Carl <laughs> Durbin disappearing away from the microphone but he still managed to mix everything even the songs that aren't very good from our end still sound really really good from uh, his own work but i think we did uh, we released seven rings uh giant and put your records on mm. so yeah it was michael michael reardon that's uh, it, yeah. who did that i started using logic more again and thought I'd have a wee play around with some of the recordings from that uh, Ardmore session and I knew that a couple of them were potentially we would be able to release some of them one of which was Grace Kelly and one take one take Danon yes we mentioned that last week and how impressive that was and uh, yeah I I I mixed around with it and maybe got then sent it back to Evan and then he mastered it. And thankfully we had all the parts in the right place. And 
and we we had a really good recording of Grace Kelly and we just then next thing was to do a covid music video um and yeah Owen uh talk to us a wee bit more about uh, the organization of that and getting Conrad involved uh yeah basically I, I knew Conrad had his own kind of production company and was very good with kind of organizing videos and stuff so it was kind of like it was as simple as putting two and two together really like yourself and Evan done had done the work with the song itself and we we had done the work recording it so all we had to do then was just kind of jump on the trend of virtual choirs whatever and just put something out there but um yeah look it was as simple as putting two and two together like we just it was all there the work was done really we just had to put in a little bit more and just release something and it gave us all something to do as well and something to chat over and have have a bit of fun and a little COVID project I suppose oh it came out great and yeah, fair play to Conrad. Um, I remember I was I was a bit annoying during that whole process, just with various edits and editing requests and stuff like that. But uh, again, like it didn't do like mad views. Well, it's I had a look at a I had a look at I can't remember if it was a uh, YouTube. Yeah, the YouTube is it has a hundred or two hundred k or something like that. Yeah, it's. Which, uh, 300,000, 327,000 views on YouTube, which is more than Dirtbag, so. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and, uh, Pat, we also, uh, uh, raised a bit of money for Pieta House as well, didn't we? We did, we did for sure. Um, yeah, I think that video, like, it served us a couple of purposes. Obviously, we, we didn't have our end of term concert, which would also kind of be in a charity event, so I mm. think that kind of helped us out there and, and just kind of, you know, filled that um, void um, as we're getting loads of voids now with COVID. Um, but yeah, I think it was like, we were desperate to do something because, you know, obviously we're all interested in keeping the group grown and and from a leadership point of view, we kind of need to have something to be working towards. Term was kind of over and we're kind of mm-hmm. thinking, right, all our gigs for the summer, all our weddings and, and the tour now is looking unlikely and, you know, um, I, like I think it was was good for us to do it. Um, plus, it's what every other choir in the world was doing at the same time. So, we could not get we we, we could not get on the trend. Like, but mm. uh, yeah, I'm delighted the way it worked out. Um, uh, the fact that like we we could release something that we recorded almost twelve months beforehand. Um, I think that was good as well because I think we we're just keen to try and make the most out of the recording we'd done and uh, just build on what we had re- released already. Yeah. And we released it as a, we released it as a single as well, um, which has twenty six, nearly twenty seven thousand thousand streams. I think it's our most the group's most streamed song on on uh, Spotify anyway. Um, and it was also a while since we actually released a video. Hmm. Um, I can't remember when the last one was, but I remember looking. I think there's certainly a gap. Um, yes, the last one was. Um, like the last music video was I Shall Be Released. Oh, from the Australia tour, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, from that point of view, I, I think it's, yeah, it certainly ticked a few boxes for us. Absolutely, it was a good thing to work on. Um, and then in August, the restrictions began to change and we were able to finally get together in Wexford for a weekend. And, um, but it, which was just great to to see everyone again and, and do and just sing together um socially distant and 
within uh, within the rules and whatnot and that was important um just seeing everyone again and um yeah ben stacy and his family looked after us very well and uh the dog jeff and then five of us got to do a take part in an online con- alumni concert um myself dan and pat uh ben and cahill uh did a performance in the exam hall which would be part of this alumni concert so it's one where it was just us like fully 20 meters away from each other staring across the room at each other five meters to be exact that was hard <laughs> it, it felt like more than five i have to say derv maybe you can come in it was that, that would have been like the first thing we did in months um so i guess it was just important to to do something in person yeah okay it was good to get back um in some to some form of normality but it really is it's a testament to the group as a whole like it's just not the same thing like there's a barbershop quartets and everything out there that do that sort of thing and do it well and that's fine but it's just not what the group is about um and even just the you know the whole production it's actually it's worrying how many people saw that just because people were doing nothing else at the time the amount of people like older people who saw that who asked my parents about it and stuff and i was kind of like oh god did you have to watch that of all things you could have watched like um just because it sounds so much better when when the group is together because and also obviously in close proximity because that's the whole dynamic of the thing so i I think i'm gonna move on to gen 10 uh shortly but uh Unless anyone has any other outstanding things they want to say, I might bring a new one because uh, the directorship's about to change. So, how do you reflect on the year? Like, obviously, extremely, extremely difficult, and uh, unlike anything the group would have had to uh, unprecedented for the group. I think to be fair, before COVID really clamped down on everything we were doing, um, we really packed in a lot between September to March. Mm. Um, like when you recap, like we had uh, EP suits, uh, we had songs recorded, we had, uh, I think we went viral again from Beautiful Girls, so our Instagram actually doubled something silly like that again. Mm. Um, yeah, like at Christmas, just, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah right. I was just like, for everyone in the, in the group, we had such an amazing time in such a short space of time. And like between Pat and I, like we had our uh, almost nightly chats and boxes of Jeanne to keep us fueled to what it was to be schemed away. And we had lads coming out with stellar arrangements as well throughout that short period of time. So like mm. as stunted as COVID really came, um, uh, as it did for everyone before that, like we were having a fantastic time. So like, it, I know we lost a lot of time because of COVID, but when you reflect about it, if you kind of think about what we did, I think we, uh, it was great. It was great. Hmm. I won't get too uh, rambly now. I'm, I'm meandering a bit, but yeah, it was class. Some crack pie. Yeah. Whoa, yep. tip. <laughs> and uh, Pat, I wonder, can you give an insight into where we might have gone if we did get to go on an international tour? Was planning, had planning begun for? Planning had started for Japan. I remember we had a bit of a team together to try and uh, work out um, how we might make it work. Hmm. Uh, now, thankfully, we were still early stages we didn't have anything booked or didn't lose any money that way um but we, we well i guess we had enough done for us to be disappointed that we were no longer going 
Um, but yeah, it certainly it certainly stopped us because as like as Owen said, we were very busy in in the first half of the year, mm. uh, and again, like we had plenty lined up for the second term, a lot a lot of weddings and just just almost as busy for the second term. Um, so to go from from hundred to to zero so quickly and so suddenly and so unexpectedly um certainly changed what we had in mind um and like any plans that we might have thought about were all shelved for for the time being hmm. it was a very sad google doc of the itinerary of the tour that never was really yeah yeah <laughs> no we did in under the circumstances we we did all we could and uh for me anyway it was it was it was strange because i that was when I left and in a way it was maybe easier for me to leave under those circumstances. Pumpy Gussie, we're leaving. Yeah, so we moved to Gen 10 and just one new addition to the group. Uh, we had Donica McDonough, T54, and we had Patrick continuing as director, but this time alongside Derv. So, uh, Derv, how did you feel about taking the, the the joint reins of the group for the year ahead? Yeah, well, it was a it was an exciting prospect at the time. I didn't know how long COVID was going to go on for that year, um, but I was looking forward to it. It wasn't actually a glamorous uh, changeover or a passing of the baton, as it usually may be. I think I got a call from Owen Hand in the height of lockdown. I was probably in my jocks when I took that call as well, so. I probably that ruined the whole momentum of the thing but uh yeah no it was still it was an exciting thing like i was happy to to get that bit more involved in the group um and especially seeing pat manage it the way he did like coming from a similar background the music edge thing and all that i thought that would be able to you know help me along the way and pat anything to add on that uh, no, just delighted to get Cahill on board. Um, I felt he was natural leader anyway, um, and still is. Uh, so I think he was um, just a good choice. I, th- I think we we said it was it at Ben's. He officially took over. We announced or whatnot, um, which was, I know a bit later than myself and Owen had taken over. Um, but I guess with COVID and that, just it turned all our kind of schedule and, and timetable upside down. But I'm just even looking at the calendar. There wasn't a huge amount to do for that first term. Hmm. Um, so I kind of felt Cahill was getting a raw deal in terms of, you know, there wasn't much for Sandy for any of us to do. Hmm. Because I think that was part of the idea of having a co-directorship that the job was was too big. And I think it's even too big for, for, for just two people. You'd need everyone else to be helping with the PRO stuff and um just uh, like some of the like arrangements and, and any other jobs that we could do. So um i think for him to come in at such a time it's certainly a different experience than than we would have had say before and you would have this is when maybe the zoom rehearsals began so tell me a bit about that because like i had left the group at this point so i have i have no idea how how that would have worked so uh and some of you would have been living together uh pat doug and ben would have been living together and then derv i think you then moved to dublin so Talk to us a bit about the Zoom rehearsals and how that worked or didn't work at all. It was uh, making the best of a not so great situation for, for a choir. You know, um, mm. In terms of a HQ, Dufferin Avenue, 
like I'll never say it enough. It's it's been very good to us. We were able to set up there just the the quartet or the Dufferin quartet as we call it, and um, Pat was able to have the the piano and everything going through going through the computer into the Zoom call. So we were able to at least individually practice lines and run lines like that while everyone at home had it out in front of them. Um, and we just hoped they were singing along. And then the quartet would run those lines to give it a bit of context rather than just the bareness of singing it on your own and not really knowing where to go with it from there. The four of us had a very different experience because, you know, I'd be coming down, this would be the highlight of my week some days, coming down to Dufferin and, you know, talking shite with the lads down there and we'd have great crack on the rehearsals. But whether that applied to everyone else, I think I know the answer, but uh, maybe not so much. But we did, we had new arrangements in and there was there was no real shortage of stuff to do because we were just kind of staying on top of content and we'd like working towards arrangements at Christmas, which I'm sure you'll get to as well. You know, we were just, mm. we were making the best of it. Niall or Dan, and what, how were the Zoom rehearsals for you if you weren't, as you would not have been in Dufferin? Well, I mean, I was just going to say that, like, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for being able to get a person from each part singing together on camera um, that everybody else could listen to and kind of like, feel where they were in the context mm. of the music it just wouldn't have worked at all um because like you know with, with the delay on zoom you can't actually sing together with people but you can listen to people who are singing together mm. um so i think like all things considered we made the best of it and we did learn some music and we did new arrangements and more importantly i think we got to see each other's faces albeit on a screen every week. And I think that sort of helped keep the, keep the group together to some extent. Mm. And Niall, you would have been like, you would have been arranging a lot at this stage. Uh, how did that work for you? Say if you arranged a piece, maybe one of the Christmas ones and, or I guess Lavender, which is one of the, maybe the first video you would have done in Gen 10 for November. Would you have, would you have gone to Dufferin to teach it or, or how would that have worked if, if it was one of your arrangements? Um, well, I believe at the time I was over 5k from Dufferin, okay. being stuck in the north side, so I was pretty much a spectator to all the fun that was happening in Dufferin for most of the time. Um, no, but in fairness, Cahill and Patrick had a pretty pretty good hand. I think their musicianship was more than capable to teach the lads mm. the simplicities of five-part harmony. Of course, yeah. You have to remember, Niall could also listen in uh, <laughs> to the quartet, so at, at times it did feel like the quartet were being, you know, judged um for for an hour and a half every mm. every every tuesday so that uh, that i think tapped as well just to hear what people thought and um from where they were sitting mm. and uh kevin you were you were pro now um obviously con the online content would have taken on even more importance during covid with the absence of in-person uh in-person performance so uh I guess, uh, what was it like for you exploring maybe specific, more specifically, uh, TikTok and how the group could, uh, really, uh, I guess, Im- increase their online presence through TikTok and the likes. Yeah. Well, yeah, got it. Got PRO as a role switched over from 
yourself over to me and which obviously was left from good hands and so I was taken over from you know a high standard and yeah but then it was straight to basically not producing any content you know no ability to get together and Mm. um so yeah it was really kind of trawling through some old material especially through tiktok which was a new platform and kind of putting that up there so that it was reaching a new audience um that was kind of the main approach as well as you know the, what little content we did have um to pump out like we did a lavender video and stuff like that um yeah small quartet kind of stuff that's kind of what we had to go for for yeah much of the lockdown period mm. So yeah, you did a lovely version uh, video of Lavender for Movember. And Movember's always been a very important uh, uh, for a part of the year for, for the group, uh, raising money for men's mental health and uh, uh, awareness for prostate cancer and suicide prevention. Um, so Pat, yeah, you did it. You, Cahill, uh the Dufferin gang pretty much, plus Derv did a lovely version of Lavender to raise money for, for Movember. So um that kind of kicked off the the videos for the year yeah it did like obviously just logistically uh, and i think covid rule related it was the only thing we could do um and just be able to get something out um and it, it did feel weird i think as we were talking before to reduce the group to like a quartet um but i think the thinking was at the time that we just needed to get something out even if it didn't quite represent the group mm. and what the group stands for um it was as I said, it's just, yeah, I, I think we're just trying to make the best of a, of a bad situation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I remember, I actually remember vividly recording that video and just the, the trials and tribulations of, you know, lads having fun and trying to do something serious at the same time. Mm. Um, but very grateful to Ben Stacy and all his, uh, all his work with the tech. And apologies again for all the, uh, the failed takes. That was myself and Matty Joe just, so uh, just... So it's on record. And then Johnny, Johnny would have been uh, utilized from a production point of view, which is great. Yeah, the man for the job. He'd always have it have it done within the twenty four hour window. Mm. Christmas was busy from a video point of view. You had two videos in the same kind of format as Grace Kelly, uh, uh, "Good King Wentz," this little girl blue medley, and then the Christmas song "Sleigh Ride" with the accidentals. So. Obviously, you wouldn't have been able to travel to um, to St Andrews that year. So, uh, what was it like putting those together, Derv? Yeah, it was it was good just to have that focus because I remember we were we were gearing up for those videos. Um, like obviously the arrangement had to be done for the accident tones, which is done by it was a Pat, Pat Niall and Ben possibly. Um, I just I remember a Zoom call with a few of the accidentals and it turned into a bit of a harmony workshop with Niall Barrett at the realm. <laughs> I don't think I spoke for about an hour. Can confirm. Um, so that was that was very helpful um, to be able to get that done. And then obviously a matter of getting that learned and recorded. Um, yeah, no, and the videos just the videos were the the great part about that video. At least definitely from our. <laughs> From our side, like you could see that the Trinitone's typical sense of humor or lack thereof shining through in each of those individual videos, but that's what made it all the more special to be able to put it out at Christmas and just have something that was this group all over. And Niall, yeah, it's a good point Derv brings up about 
trying to between the two groups learn learn this arrangement um so how did that work and like in terms of recording as well everyone individually so like a lot of logistics to do with a big project like that um if i actually remember correctly i think it was johnny actually took the reins okay for a lot of that so um i don't want to take any credit now off him um but yeah you can he's not here (laughs) (laughs) but in terms of teaching the arrangement like where you've been in contact with the i guess the director of the the accidentals and did you sit in on any of their rehearsals or anything or no if if i remember correctly they had a kind of a system of uh they did have kind of like a scratch tracks they'd learn to i think we just kind of exported the midi files and it was kind of routine for them Hmm. i guess it's probably more difficult for us actually learning it by ourselves so used to the group setting yeah that's true is it actually covid wouldn't have really changed their their method of learning the music at all the accidentals because yeah they've always kind of done it that way where they've just uh learnt off midi recordings and stuff and then we head into i guess into into the new year into 2021 and there would be three more videos uh before the group would finally reunite there's uh lovely St. Patrick's Day video of Donica uh, singing Casa on Sugon. Is that a, is that the gloaming, uh, Patrick? Is that a song by the gloaming? Yes, it is. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think it worked out well. I think Donica knew it anyway, uh, being one of our only Irish speakers and um, it just suited. I think, I think we needed it for some event or something hmm. uh, and it just kind of worked out quite well. Yeah. But yes, it is exactly like the gloaming arrangement. Hmm. And then, uh, and then, I was delighted to see you do a video of uh, the Dermot Kennedy medley, which I arranged one of my last arrangements, I would say. Um, which is a lovely video in Phoenix Park, and uh, I want to bring in poor Kevin, who was the stunt man in that video. Uh, people uh, showed a lot of concern for you, Kevin, when you there's a shot of you falling off a bike, and looks like you got a bit of a concussion there. My head definitely was ringing for a while afterwards, but yeah, <laughs> you can check check out my stunt stunt planning in that video. Yes, yes. Like my interested putting your body on the line for Trinitones, <laughs> and then so I guess Pat would would you have started to be able to meet in like at a distance outside because that that video was mostly filmed on location. And then you had the subsequent video with Pony where it looked like you were restrictions were changing and it was possible to, to get together more. Yes, I think it was. I'm just list- looking at our list of gigs from, from March 2021 mm. and it's all pre-recorded sets we had to do, I think. Oh yeah, for different Including concerts. the CSE Society of the Year Awards. Anyone remember that? <laughs> uh, where I think we could invite more people over to the house at that stage. So it was the quartet plus Kevin, were you there? Maybe someone else. Billy, maybe? Just Kevin for that one. Just so we had the four parts and a soloist or vice versa. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was kind of that in March. But then after that, I guess we're trying to... Um, I think we could have went to rehearsals in the Phoenix Park then for a little while. I think the restrictions had changed enough to let that happen. Uh, I remember we were 
I personally was kind of quite worried just that we wouldn't get caught or, you know, we wouldn't get uh, in trouble for doing anything that we weren't supposed to be doing. I think we were okay to do it because we were outside and well spaced out and that. Uh, it was just a strange time in, in terms of what, trying to work out what you could and couldn't do, particularly um, as a choral group. Um, I think COVID particularly affected uh, singing and, and attitudes towards singing. So just had to be careful of that one. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice. I think being in Phoenix Park gives an idea of what to do for, for the, the Dermo uh, video. Um, so that, I think it did help us to, to rehearse back in person. I know it might have been a bit of a trek to get as far as Phoenix Park, but I think um, just nice to see the guys again, mm. catch up. Dan, and you were saying it as well earlier, like these videos, a lot of work goes into them, but maybe we don't reap the rewards in terms of uh, exposure or any sort of virality and i think pony is one of the best examples of this like an excellent music video a lot of work went into it and, and the recording's good and the recording's really good and it's only got bloody three thousand views on youtube um it's it's honestly criminal because i remember us watching that and being like lads this is fully the best video we've ever done some yeah. of the old lads watched it and were like this is like pure distilled trinitones video it's like oh it's amazing and mm. yeah nothing <laughs> nothing <Yeah>. crickets because <laughs> we were talking about uh like new york i think new york was probably the only planned video that actually did properly go viral maybe beautiful girls you could say but um but yeah just yeah just sometimes like you put so much work into something and yeah it just it, it doesn't hit the algorithm or i don't know what but um but uh, no, it's 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 one of the best. It's definitely up right up there for one of the best videos. You're a base. Finally, we can get to a tour, but this time a well overdue tour of Ireland. Um, and uh, I was absolutely delighted to be back. And Carl had moved to Australia, so uh, there was a base spot, and I was fortunate enough to be invited. Like I was excited for it, but what about you guys? Because Pat, like. The group hadn't really been spent an extended amount of time together in the guts of the guts of a year. So, how exciting was it to be or, organizing this trip? Yeah, I, there was certainly an appetite to go somewhere, um, and I think we're all excited to do something. Uh, particularly at that time, restrictions were kind of lifting, but they weren't quite lifted, so we were still kind of you know treading carefully in uh, what was possible and what wasn't. Uh, I think we just decided in the end that just an Irish tour would probably be the safest bet because maybe we possibly could have went somewhere um, um, international, but I think it just would have been too risky to do at the time. Mm. Uh, and plus, we always, we always had suggested that, you know, doing an Irish tour wouldn't be the worst idea anyway, just mm. to, you know, visit family around the country or just visit just visit places around Ireland and, and, and make the most of the country we have. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think like obviously less of a novelty maybe to go around ireland but nevertheless i think i think we just tried to make it exciting as possible and i think the guys just well maybe uh, well i'd like to hear from everyone else but just to just to be able to spend time with guys again um on any kind of extended period of time was nice hmm. yeah we'll definitely get everyone's individual thoughts on the trip um but there if this would, would have been the like biggest thing you probably had to uh undertake uh yet um 
so what was the what was the organization part of this like because obviously we didn't know what we would be able to do in terms of performance but uh in terms of like the route and things like that uh how, what how did that all come together yeah we had a few hands on deck um down in dufferin hq as always i remember just kind of we we hashed it out i think we had like two or three meetings just to get get the loop that we eventually decided on lockdown um i think the the main gig that was organized there like was the black rock one and kind of the the theater thing down there in the park that was a big one um but obviously we couldn't plan for what actually happened on the tour it just it goes to show like as patrick said it's probably not as much of a novelty the thought of going around ireland compared to you know japan or something like that but just this this trip which seems like a simple one it it just from the very first day um big things just started happening on it and we ended up you know going down to ireland am which i'm sure you'll you'll touch on as well and uh, the the viral videos and everything so it just it goes to show like with this group you actually do not know what's what's going to happen when you're planning something like this so we we locked down our route and just we let it happen from there so yeah trinitones set off on a tour of ireland in uh, on the 23rd of july which began in galway uh other stops included castlebar bundoran derry belfast gory cork and we finished in tipperary and as Carl said we stopped in dublin to do what uh, yeah would have been our only organized gig i guess uh the beautiful uh setting of blackrock park the tour begins in galway and again talking about videos and the ones that seem to have the least amount of work put into them are the ones that's, that that take off and the trip started on the first night what happened derv on the first night oh take me back that's all i'll say we were obviously all in very good spirits going down there um couldn't get in anywhere in Galway. It was absolute bedlam. Couldn't sit into any pub anywhere. So a few of us, I think it was me, Ross, Doug and Ben. Forgive me if I'm leaving anyone out. Found an L hole in the wall around the back of one of these places. And what do you know, they were serving takeaway Guinness. So we said, good, we'll take 16 of them. And then we invited the boys around. And lo and behold, a sing song starts. And we're covering all these old songs, which you haven't been able to to sing together for whatever it was a year. And there's someone up on their up on their balcony, not even their balcony, their toilet window, leaning out. And what one did they catch? Only Sam White singing "Call Me Al," and it was uploaded onto the onto the internet, and the rest is history. Yeah, and Pat, like that would have been the first time we would have sang "Call Me Al." since we did that inspiring sounds thing in trinity yeah you could be right actually um certainly like it felt like ages since we had actually sung together um you know organically um so yeah it was our first night so we we're expect- expecting it to, you know be be exciting and whatnot i was personally annoyed when i heard that we we got such a such a well did so well from the video because like we had invested in a nice fancy camera for the whole year yeah and like had done proper 
um, videos and whatnot. And now suddenly this potato phone thing had, had racked up so many views. I was thinking, why do I even bother? Um, <laughs> but having said that, it was great. Um, I was, yeah, I would say I was a bit nervous that like, obviously the success of the trip is something that we all want to see happen. Um, and on the first night, like, a, like the fact that it just worked out so well, um, and like, yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for a better start to the tour, really. Yeah, like, again, this trip was different in terms of like what kind of performances we could do. We had to kind of adapt again. And, but yeah, it was arguably the most fun from personal point of view, is as fun, if not even funner than the previous trips, because we did so many like group activities and stuff, which. I don't know why we we've never we've never really done anything like surfing in Bundoran or paintballing in Cork, going to the that orchard center in in Gorey, uh, near near Ben's house one morning, like just so many fun things uh, that that we did uh, throughout the trip um, to really bring the lads together, especially uh, lads that hadn't been on a on a tour before. So I'll come to everyone individually, like give your outstanding memories uh of the trip uh i'll come to kevin because this was your first trip with the group so uh how do you reflect on it yeah no, it was very good fun again i have nothing to compare it against but mm. um i feel like there's you know always it's always a constant i suppose growth with the group of getting to know everyone in different ways and to different levels and experiences like yeah the surfing and singing together traveling together definitely adds up to getting to know everyone better so um yeah no there's yeah highlights like yeah honestly just all the all the different bars we would be at just singing together um late at night yeah that's definitely the highlight for me and uh and niall you'd been on the the previous tour in the states um how would like yeah how if you were to compare the two, like uh, very different trips, but um, f- very fond memories, I'm sure for you as well. Yeah, I guess it was a different caliber trip. Um, like normally, well, like found with the West Coast, we the few days for us finding our feet. I think uh, that first night in Galway it was very much uh, from the get go. We set out as we meant to continue. Mm. Um. But yeah, I think the big thing of the trip was like we just missed out on that year worth of like you know, shared experiences. Mm. I think that's the big thing, the defining thing about the trip is just those shared memories and the, the relationships you build with the rest of the lads and just get the chance to get that back. I think it's, it really kind of saved the group because kind of, I guess we were kind of worried that you know things might fall away a bit because we'd mm. kind of fallen out of touch a little bit because there's only so much you can do online. Mm. Which like uh, that's where the credit has to be given there to Patrick and Gall for the work they did behind the scenes and getting it together and the success it was in the end. Mm. Oh, great point. Um, and the video, like, just captures the energy that would have been would have been built up in everyone. Like, just uh, after not having those shared experiences, you said together for so long, and uh, come to. Dannon, you've been on every trip, so as as have you. I hasten to add. 
I'll survive it. Who wants to hear from me? <laughs> How would you compare it to the to the international tours, I guess? So, I don't know. Without going into like you know too much detail, like you know the you know fun sort of fun activities we did and sort of bonding experiences and you know the nights out on the town, literally on the town, not being able to go inside anywhere. <laughs> um, it what what kind of struck me afterwards was i don't think i'd really felt as as close to everybody in the group before after the tour and maybe it was partly because like we hadn't seen each other properly in so long or maybe it was that you know because our surroundings were a bit more familiar than you know going to the west coast and we were probably a bit less stressed out about organizing things or getting places that maybe we just we just it felt like we bonded more on that trip than we did in previous ones mm. uh, at least from my perspective and like it was just really really nice it was just like you know sort of big big grawl for the lads afterwards you know mm. um yeah it was great what about yourself billy um yeah i i guess while dana was speaking there i was just uh, completely agreeing um with him in my head about the whole tour um it was my third and honestly it was like <clears throat> coming back from it we all felt so yeah we just were so much more connected with each other and i guess does he but for me personally i was quite apprehensive um obviously with covid and then you know you can't you can't kind of half go out with with train homes, especially when we hadn't gone out in so long together so I knew that when, when, if there was an opportunity for us to go to places and sort of be not just with ourselves and be with other people, uh, we couldn't really say no and I couldn't say no to that. So, mm. yeah, I was a bit nervous, obviously. Um, oh, but immediately we just, yeah, we just hit the, hit the ground running. Um, Galway was incredible. And then, yeah, just moving through the country, you, like you f- kind of forget as well. We were, I guess this is one of the... Um, conclusions that I had from the tour is that you forget how amazing and beautiful Ireland is mm. um, so being able to see that with close friends and also yeah just just yeah appreciating everything the little things more I guess because that's what that's kind of what I learned from COVID um, that we kind of took for granted being able to have a pint and being able to sing together wherever we wanted um, but that was taken away for us from us for like a year or so yeah, it was brilliant. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, you're right to mention just, yeah, realizing the true beauty of Ireland. And like I'd been to places, I'm sure the other lads would agree, I went, I'd went. i been to places I'd never been before. Like I'd never been to Ackle Island in my life. Like that was one of the highlights of the whole trip, going to Keene Beach and Ackle Island. Or yeah. might bring you in on, like we went to like Dunfanaghy as well on the way to Derry. Like just unbelievable like the beauty of ireland uh and discovering places that you'd never seen before yeah it's it's a lot of fun especially when you're in your like little convoy of the the four cars going around um and just like seeing the sights and knowing where to pull in or like having instinctive thoughts just being like oh we'll pull in here and just see what the crack is like uh take a few photographs and take a few photographs to the lads to make sure they've got something for the old gram you know the Trinitones of Instagram. Um, 
but it's just it, it's a whole different experience because you're in some ways untethered because there's no real authority or at least authority you'd respect sorry pat and how there's no real authority in terms of what you can and can't do so it's really up to yourself given the framework that the lads had put together about where we go um and like seeing like i've never swam in beaches cold than keen beach in Ackle island like <laughs> man that is so cold and then bring a spike ball everywhere as well it was such a key factor of just stupid mm. joy just like break it out a few games of spike ball get a few slow-mo videos um and then Dunfanahy going out in the boat as well avoiding all of those um jellyfish was a very very memorable intense moment and then hitting huh. the swells i think pat is is it has a bit of a touch of talisphobia so i had to coax him onto the boat just to make sure he wasn't too nervous about these seven foot swells coming up to the land um <laughs> The gig we had though in Dunfanaghy was some crack up in uh, the rusty oven. Mm. We all got a free pizza each as part of our payment, and the, the the crowd were so receptive, and they were just having so much fun at this, uh, at the these few lads having a bit of crack, which I think mm. was like a few lads having a bit of crack. I think defines the whole tour for me because it was just I was bumbling around Ireland just having a bit of crack, like. Mm. And yeah, absolutely, and and Pat, like the reception that we got. Everywhere we went, everywhere we sang, like we might have been a bit apprehensive and a bit worried about the reaction to any sort of music, whether it's inside or outside, because there would have been no gigs still at that point. But people were just so happy to see to see music, any any music in any form, and like people were very generous with uh, money, which 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 helped towards like petrol and and little things, but uh. Yeah, it was just so overwhelmingly positive, the reaction wherever we went. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and even planning, like, we couldn't really plan everywhere, like, because all the events were outdoors. You just kind of turn up and sing and hope that maybe people might stop and, and listen. But just even hearing people coming up to us afterwards saying, oh, this is my first live music in months or years, mm. like, and it's just, wow, this is this is, this is is where we're at. Um, I think the only one that was actually planned was, I guess, the, the the black rock gig that was um in the park mm. uh, and that was great and it was lovely to do a gig there beautiful venue mm. um but yeah no i was just amazed at uh, kind of how how it went and like even the random places that we ended up singing and was it castle bar that we sang in and it was kind of like a drive-through concert where all the cars went around the middle square oh westport or, or westport sorry mm. yeah um and like that kind of a, a thing but also like what I thought was going to be my last gig and was it awfully in the last the last day like we went to this small tiny little village maybe it was <laughs> Leash was it yeah somewhere in Leash yeah. someone someone that got it onto us uh, some coffee shop I think yeah. but I remember standing there getting out of the car with my umbrella because it already had started raining and I was like gosh is this our last gig why are we here <laughs> and as soon as I got out of the car someone came running over being like oh you must be the Trinitones hmm. and she was I think she was the woman from the the coffee shop and as we walked towards the coffee shop she was pointing out people in the cars to me mm. that she had said had been waiting there since like two hours beforehand um since they heard we were coming yeah i was thinking wow i didn't even think we were known in this part of the world mm. um but the, it just going back to what i said earlier just the, the sheer excitement to see us and like yeah i just i think we just forget the power we have and you know the excitement that we can bring to people um just doing a bit of singing for sure and yeah derv so 
on the back of all this positivity and the video in Galway, we managed to get onto TV, uh, onto Ireland AM, which we had been on. We were on Ireland AM after the Budapest and New York videos, but it was not a very pleasant experience. We were like the in-house band. We were we were there for the whole morning. Um, but uh, but no, we were we were asked we were asked to come on, and it and it worked out pretty well. We were able to drive uh, from from Ben's in Wexford up to up to Dublin for the morning before heading down to before heading down to Cork, I think. Um, so talk to talk a little bit about uh, being on the telly. Yeah, it was a it was a good experience. You know, we had we had kind of been riding the wave of the views coming in and the newspaper online newspaper articles and everything about the the Galway video so it was a a great surprise when when they did actually get in touch and uh you know giving us a segment myself and Owen Hand talking to Tommy Bow on uh on TV like that's not something I'm going to forget so and then you know we did our version our version on on the show itself was very good as well like it was very tight um so it was it was just a great, it's one of these things, as I said, it with this group, it's just a group of lads falling into these situations and somehow looking even better coming out of them. Like, hmm. Owen, talk to us about meeting your hero, Tommy Bow. Oh yeah. Tom Bogandy. He really, he really understood that joke. Hmm. Um, it was such a weird situation. It's like, I remember sitting outside with myself and Derv and kind of like, and get the nerves are kind of on set and it's been like all right look, we'll be fine we'll just like we'll just chat tripe we'll be fine we'll bounce off each other and then when he got up there like everything just disappeared because then you realize that like between tommy and claire they're both just real bubbly people and they're they're making up as much bs as you are on the spot in that exact moment so it's very easy just to kind of go with the flow and i found that there was a really good dynamic between when carl would speak and when i'd speak and kind of back from back and forth and I suppose it's nice that I can at least put on my CV that I told Tommy, hold on now, Tommy Sec. I stopped him mid-tracks <laughs> where he made an outlandish claim, <laughs> which is enjoyable for myself. But um, no, the gig was, or the performance afterwards then, you can call me Al, it was so weird because listening to the recording, like the clap is so tight. When all of us clapped at that, when Sec at the very start, like it's, it's robotic. Um, which I find so so creepy, but also like hmm. fun as well. It's really interesting, and I think it was the first time when you can call me Al was put into the mainstream of decent quality that wasn't um, nationwide out in O'Connell Street or or not O'Connell Street, Grafton Street, or as Carl said, out some lad's bathroom window in Galway. A lot of spontaneous things happened on that trip, as as always happens when we go away anywhere. Um, but uh, not brilliant, great great three weeks and as i said i was i felt very fortunate to be to be able to join you um so thanks for having me i'm a base yeah gen 11 uh begins with yet another little change in leadership so we have a new joint directorship so Cahill, you stay on for a second year and you are joined by niall barrett so niall talk to us about taking the reins yeah well like it was kind of a funny one in terms of the lads came to me march of that year um obviously i was very keen to help um 
so like it was kind of like yeah I said yes the time and sure nothing happened then for another six months hmm. and then suddenly then kind of things started to open up a little bit September hmm. we had a few lads leaving so then it was very much all hands on deck yeah so uh Derv how you were finally able to have in-person auditions what was the audition process like that uh freshers week I guess yeah, quite enough now. Not quite the uh, 60 odd people that it was way back in Gen 8. I think that's been that's been one of the biggest impacts of COVID on the group. Just we've had such a small pool of people auditioning. Granted, we've gotten four really good lads this year, like thankfully, and they're all we can see they're all first year and we can see them really developing already. Um, but it's just it's a smaller group going that seem to know about the group or that are interested in going for the group at this moment in time and i imagine that could be just to do with the lack of in-person campus singing or anything like that and throughout the kind of the past few years you know so it was quieter but we were very happy with the outcome of that first round of auditions back then at the start of term um we had two two new lads on board then I think another part of it is also like choirs like even in schools and stuff like that that's how a lot of people would have got into choir singing towards the later years like fifth year and sixth year and with the last two years being that kind of out of the picture i'd say that's kind of cut out a lot of i guess the part of the journey for people to get into trinitones kind of hmm. absolutely um so t uh gen 11 uh we have t55 angus gilligan and t56 shane mcdonald so kev for the f- for the first time we have and two members of the same family being trinitones which has never happened before even across generations never mind uh in the same generation across generations this has never happened same generation and standing beside each other in the same part yeah <laughs> So what's uh how does that feel? <laughs> um it's it's strange for sure. I'm definitely still adjusting, but um <laughs> yeah, it's it's also hard to, you know, keep family and Trinidad separate, you know, and keep that that interaction kind of separate, but uh yeah, adjusting for sure. It is it is definitely an interesting dynamic that's going on. Cuz the only uh, like anything close to that I can think of is that we've had two members of the same family and so we've had siblings, like brother and sister, in Bells and Trinitones. So, like Declan O'Byrne was in Trinitones, and his sister Sue Ann is in Bells. That's like a, the closest thing we we would have have had to that before. So, but yeah, so we have Angus and Shay joining, and uh, and then we then we'd have T fifty seven Sean Dillon and T fifty eight Tiernan Kearns to make up Gen eleven, and the two lads would join. Uh, and the two lads joined after Christmas, uh, Niall, uh, Sean and Tiernan. Yes, indeed. Uh, last week of January, they came in. Mm-hmm. Like Derv said, they've all settled in really well. Yeah, like in, in fairness to them, like they kind of throw in the deep end in terms of we had very few gigs the first term mm. and suddenly everything's back open and we've had seven or eight gigs in three or four weeks and in fairness to them, they've done exceedingly well. So yeah, Derv, would you've you you would have been able to start rehearsing in person again, but uh, the gigs wouldn't have as as Niall said, it wasn't uh 
there still wasn't many gigs happening because there were still tight enough restrictions all the way up until around Christmas time. Yeah, pretty much. But still, it made all the difference being able to get back to that, get back to that rehearsal schedule. Because um, we still, you know, we were coming up to St. Andrews and coming up to Christmas and everything like that, Christmas concerts. So there was still a need for it. And we're back, you know, we're still doing the the bi-weekly um, rehearsals and have been doing from the start just to get the new lads up to scratch. And, you know, it is it is working well. Um, especially since the floodgates have now opened these last kind of few weeks in terms of gigs coming back and bookings coming in for the summer. So um, it'll it'll definitely stand to us. Great. Yeah, it's great to see a return, a return to normality finally. Well, a big a big highlight, which would have happened before Christmas, is you got to sing for, you got to go to the Aris Anukdaron again and perform for Michael D., uh, for a second time so uh, Niall how did that come about going back to the Aris again um, I think similar to last time it was just Kevin I think he's the presidential assistant reached out to us kind of out of the blue mm. and uh, yeah it was, it was, well maybe and it wasn't extravagant now it was Andy and Ev getting wine and dined in uh, <laughs> Aris Neutron but it was just uh, yeah one email and that was it and suddenly two weeks later we were performing in Aris and what was the event, or what was the occasion? I believe it was the retirement of one of the core staff. It also kind of served as a tester event for events in the residence going forward. Oh, and you got to meet the dogs. Oh, the dogs are amazing. Uh, uh, Mishnach and Broad. Mishnach, is, it's actually kind of ironic, because Mishnach is Irish for courage. Or yeah, it's Broad, my girl gets terrible now, but... Um, whichever dog is Irish for courage um, is actually incredibly shy, which I thought was quite funny. But they're both great. Like, they're just big bundles of joy. Um, and thankfully, I had my live photographs on my phone. So I took loads of photographs, but then I could turn them into little gifts and they recorded all the sound as well. Um, so it was just a really sweet, like, nice moment. Because I think the dogs are known internationally. Uh, sometimes they're actually more famous or more rec- recognized than the big man himself, which is funny. But mm. they're just gorgeous. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was very jealous of you meeting the dogs because we didn't get to do that the last time. Also, hearing Michael D interact with the dogs was great. <laughs> oh, oh, mesh, mesh, knock. Very good boy. Yes, yes, set, set. <laughs> um, you would have had a field day doing the impressions of that. Uh, you oh. would have loved it. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can picture it. Yeah, do you have anything to add on on second uh, meeting with Michael D? Yeah, it was great. It was just um, like it was a completely different vibe gig. It was it was in the afternoon rather than in the late evening sort of thing. So I actually felt like he was in he was in better form because he was probably just not as tired from all the meeting and greeting and everything like that that a man of his age would be at that that time of night. So we actually had some some funny and wholesome interactions with them at the back steps and with the dogs and everything. So yeah, very good experience. And then finally, after, I guess, a year and nearly two years, uh, you would finally have your first term concert. So Niall, talk to us a bit about that and uh, how 
amazing it was to finally put on a gig at Christmas. Yeah, definitely a great opportunity. Like it was, um, we were a bit worried now, I think coming up to it because I think those restrictions came in the night after. Yeah. I believe. If I believe. Yeah. Um, so the college were very uh, reluctant to um, let us host the gig in the first place, never mind. Um, have two, three hundred people in the exam hall. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think the night went great. Like, I think just the enthusiasm from everyone who was there, group sounded great. A uh, nice little change of venue to the exam hall, I think, really suited us also. Um, yeah, and it's even just for to have your family and friends there to hear us live for the first time in two years at that point. Mm. And uh, yeah, Derv, it was nice to for the group to change it up a bit and do a gig in the exam hall, which no, rec- no, not to my, no- I don't think to my knowledge, the group have never done a term gig in in there. So I think it was, I think it was a great, I think it was a great shout. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a really nice gig or nice space to to do the gig in, um, in terms of being able to see the audience, you know, straight in front of you, mm. um. Yeah, so it might be it might be one for the future again. And then yet yeah, uh, after or just before just before that you would have released uh the next single, which is Merry Christmas Starling by the Carpenters and then you put out a video for that as well. So what made you choose that song, Barrett, out of interest? Because it's it's not one that would spring to mind for a lot of people as like a standout Christmas song. Um I guess it was just kind of Selfishness on my part is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Um, I guess you're in a position in the group where you can kind of dictate what the repertoire is, so I kind of brute force it into the repertoire. And luckily, Cahill was a uh, full agreement with me. He's a soft spot for Carrie Carpenter, so it's uh, my my favorite female singer of all time. I made that clear when I was asking for the solo. Great. Well, yeah, no, it's it's a really it's a really lovely really lovely song and again johnny does a johnny mason does a smashing job on on production for that and then since since christmas yeah like things have started to open up again so like now what's what's the last couple of months been like uh well since particularly since kind of all restrictions went there at the end of mid-february we flat out we've had uh, one or two weddings a few gone campus gigs few corporates i'm sure the calendar is full for next few weeks also hmm. um so it's good especially for the newer lads um just to get that experience of just a uh, gig experience i feel like that's one of the kind of unspoken things in terms of that interaction with the crowd is something you can only learn the gig you can't really teach in rehearsal and then call you you're due to perform at trinity ball is that right well currently the plan the the gen x gig will be will act as our term gig um, but yeah, we are back back at it again for for uh, Trinity Ball, and we have a big video plan for then as well. Looking forward to seeing that. And uh, we're going to wrap up soon. But uh, do you foresee an international tour in the in the works? Anything you can tell us, or is that all hush hush? I'll let Niall Barrett take that one. Uh. Well, I guess the only thing we can say is that uh, Ronald Mackey can expect a visit sometime soon. Before we begin to wrap things up, I just want to read out a few numbers and maybe I can bring in the uh, Kevin on this. So 
Trinitones on Instagram now have 137,000 followers. Facebook is around maybe the 170,000 follower or likes. And then TikTok, 200,000 TikTok followers. And then I might just throw in on top of that YouTube, we have 83.4 thousand subscribers. So like, Kevin, that's like, I don't have the words for it. I don't have the words to describe um, those numbers, especially on TikTok. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's, it really is, though. You can, for, just from listening to all these previous episodes of you know this podcast, it is a constant journey of building up on what was done before. And um, especially running the social media, you can you can see these little jumps and, you know, different platforms blowing up at different times. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it is madness. Yeah. No words for it. Mm. That's 10 years worth of growth. Um, yeah. Just amazing. Really amazing. And uh, Danon, you are the longest serving Trinitone as it's well documented. How, like, how do you reflect on when you joined and seeing the group grow over the last uh i guess six seven years is this your seventh year (laughs) yeah um it's uh it's pretty crazy to you know but because to to be to be completely clear now like teenage dirtbag getting something like a hundred thousand views on youtube back in the day before i joined that was like that was a big deal and Mm. was honestly like one of the one of the reasons like I joined, like it was why I was aware of the, the group, um, to be honest. Um, but to like the sort of, I hesitate to say that it's like kind of impromptu success. Cause I think that's, that's unfair to the group, but like the group sort of grew a lot, started to take on more and more serious gigs, became more ambitious, became more, you know, you know, when when we did get a success, we, we did sort of like push it on from that. We'd always try to do, try to do more, go somewhere, do something, record something. And it's just great to have seen the group grow like that. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that, you know, early on we weren't doing cool things. I just think that it's really nice that the sort of the opportunities that we've had and the successes that we've had I don't think we've we we've ever squandered them, and I think that's the 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 biggest thing about us over the last few years. Right. Well, before we finish, I guess let's talk a bit about the weekend because this will be going out just in uh, one or two days before we take to the stage in the Sugar Club. Like Niall, what can what can people expect? What are your what are your uh, are you excited for Saturday night? Yeah, I think the current group now we have uh, five or six new tracks we're going to debut. So it's one big thing to look out for. Uh, I think it's more of a, a 70s special from our current group. I think Kyle can agree with me on that. Hmm. Um, I'm <laughs> uh, Yeah, I guess it's just the biggest thing is just it'll be a great example of just what the group has come from and where it is now. Hmm. And how really it's kind of the product of the input of every member up until now, not just two or three people pushing. Obviously it's 
facilitated by two or three people pushing it, but everyone had a role to play in where it is now. And like Cahill, this will be the first term gig for, for I guess, uh, the new lads have just joined uh, Sean and Tiernan. So like, it'll, it'll be really, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting, I'm looking forward to meeting them. And uh, yeah, uh, have they, have you spoken to them about it? Like, how are they feeling about Saturday night? Uh, they're, they're both uh, just taking it in their stride. They're not, not panicking at all. That's the good thing. It's a, a major benefit to them. You know, they've had to, They've had to jump into a lot of gigs now on on little notice in terms of knowing knowing lines and everything like that. So they're just they're taking it taking it as it comes, and I'm sure they'll they'll enjoy it. You know, they're they're good lads, and they'll be they be great assets for the group in the future. So I'm looking forward to them seeing something like this. All right, lads, this is this is your last chance to say any final thoughts or any final message for. Anyone who's not sure about coming or on the fence? I mean, like, it's it's a cappella, like, it's quite unique. And we're getting 10 years of lads back together just to, like, hear the music that has sustained Tinnitons over the past 10 years. So I think a cappella itself is very unique and almost obscure in some manners. Um, and I think being able to hear, like, what we built upon um, and see the journey from dot up until now i think is a moment not to be missed i'm looking mm. forward to it. i'm looking forward to hearing how the lads sound after like some lads some of the lads haven't sang together in like eight years yeah nasty how they sound so i think uh personally it'll be a very memorable moment for me just to be around all these different people who also are weirdos and like like singing a cappella because come on like it's pretty weird but they all did it we all do it mm. now um so there's a, a very strong commonality there which i'm really looking forward to kindling and this was developing further yeah and yeah for some of you it might be it might be your last gig uh, but billy is this i think this is officially your last performance will be your last performance of trinitons how do you feel about it yeah um i actually thought i thought the christmas one was um so i've, I've kind of had my my emotional you know i'm gonna call it an outburst but i had i had my moment um mm. But yeah, I think it's 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 so incredible, and every single member that goes through Trinitones, um, it kind of hits you so fast at the start. You don't realize how incredible it is until you get to the end, and then you kind of you can count down the last couple of gigs, and, and you just yeah, it's it's amazing to be able to reminisce with such amazing people, and like yeah, it's a, it's it's a phenomenal group, and we have all been so lucky, and it's not just one individual; it's it's everyone together. Um, and somehow we always have this massive drive every single year to just do better and and to achieve more than the previous year. And it's a testament to the, the leaders of the group. Um, from top to the bottom, like the, the group is just, it's one in a million. And I guess that's why we have had so much success, whether that be through luck or our own hard work. But that's it. it's, it's phenomenal. And if, if any of you can get a chance to come down and see us, <clears throat> You know the <clears throat> best collegiate acrobatic group in the world, so may as well. Well said. So, yeah, there we have it. Uh, that brings to a close. That brings us up to the present day. Uh, we are recording on Monday, the eleventh of April. So that brings to a, a close the ten years of Tones podcast. And so before we finish. 
I think it's only uh, appropriate that we thank you for all the work you put in. You've yeah. listened to what, but this is probably what hour twelve that you've sat and listened mm. to lads reminisce. So fair play to you for doing all this. Not to mention the hours of re-listening and editing the thing. Oh yeah, you don't know the half of it. No, it's been it's been amazing and and I've I've loved every second of it. Like it's a lot of work, but I I love doing it. I love making it, and it's been great to to learn so much. Uh, even today, like I haven't been, in, I'm not in the group anymore. So, and and then even talking to lads from gens one and two and one to four, which I wasn't involved in either. Like it's been so amazing, and it's a great. I think it's great to just archive all this. And if anyone outside the Trinitones realm is listening, then we really appreciate it. Like, uh, it, it's more about just, uh, yeah, looking back on just the most amazing times of the most amazing group of people. And yeah, it's been it's been it's been such such been such good fun. So, uh, no, thank you for that, lads. And and yeah. That's pretty much it. So if you want to find out what happens next, you know where to find us. April 16th in the Sugar Club. You can still get tickets on the sugarclub.com or if you're a student, head over to Trinitone's Instagram and click on the link tree and you'll find a link to student tickets, I believe. So we'd love to see you there. Yeah, come and listen to 11 generations worth of Trinitone's. Some lads will have not sang in a while. Some lads are struggling to find a suit never mind never mind sing so it should be it should be good fun and we'd love to see you there but uh thanks to all the lads for joining me tonight it's been a pleasure and thanks to everyone who has joined me the last five weeks and yeah that's it this has been the 10 years of tones podcast thank you for joining us thank you for listening and here's to the next 10 years Long live Trinitones, and we'll see you in the Sugar Club on Saturday night, all being well. Cheers, folks. Good luck. Oh.